listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Welcome back to part two with Vito Petrosito. Vito, thanks for coming back. Hey, Rick. <laughs> Not a problem, man. Good to be back. I, I hope the wait wasn't too hard on you. It wasn't too bad. I mean, it just went by like it, as if it was a few minutes. Like a like a cool summer eve. That's exactly just, right. Oh, wait. That, exactly. I shouldn't have said summer. summer eve. That's, that's not... Like a, like a cool... Uh, uh, January noon. Maybe a January, January noonish. January noonish. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit better. Now, Vito, last week, for our listeners who weren't here, and why weren't you here, and go back and listen to part one, and then come back and listen to this half. We were talking about session work that you do, and you do a ton of session work, not just here in the Hudson Valley, but Nashville and a bunch of places, right? Absolutely, yeah. Trading, uh, well, trading uh, wave files these days is uh kind of enables you to get work where you wouldn't have the work in the in the you know in the normal zone you know like back in our you know you weren't trading wave files you know 30 years ago but now nowadays it's like or or me to for me to get someone to record on uh some of my stuff like uh the Invito Verita record has a, a number of people on it like Freebo for example played the bass uh on a, a track that I have called Gators uh or ain't no Gators and um you know, so for me to get his parts, uh, you know, where, when he lives in L.A., you know, he just ships them through the cable lines, and there you go. So, it, it, vice versa. It's amazing how things are done today, what technology will do. As far as I'm concerned, you can't fully replace a band standing in a room recording live with no overdubs or, you know, maybe some backup vocals or, or some scant overdubs later on. But to have a band in one room and play oh, and capture yeah. that energy, oh. can that be replaced? You know, uh, I don't think it can. And I, I think some of my most enjoyable sessions in the recent years uh, have been, uh, well, I lost my friend Penny Nichols uh, recently in the, in the past few years. And, uh, but before she passed... Uh, I had the privilege and honor of working on I don't know three or four of her records with with the same core musician core group, you know like we set up and recorded live of course in a studio uh, with Penny in an isolation booth, and it was just so cool to record like that you know with all parts happening at the same time rather than piecing everything together comping this comping that flying this this part from you know Georgia bringing in this thing. You know. So this was uh, recorded, uh, let's see, and how many records? Her Golden State record was phenomenal. She just got done with, uh, actually, like right up to the end of her life, she she recorded this record called Life, I think it's called Life. Uh, I might be totally wrong about that. I'm just blown away by how it came out, how organic it was, how wonderful the synergy between the musicians uh, was, and that was recorded at Mark Dan's studio in, in uh, Woodstock. New York. When you work with an artist in the studio, do you have to take direction? Are they looking for something specific? Are they hiring Vito Petrosito, the guitar player, and you just do what you do? It's funny. It's almost like gigs. Like when we get gigs, some venues, they might know what Vito does, but others might not. And what they expect is totally different than what's on my menu. So it's pretty cool. I I really have enjoyed working uh, around Gary Burke in recording studios and Professor Louie, like these guys. Uh, but Gary Burke, uh, I forget, what, I think it was on some of the Willie Amrod sessions where he was trying to get something out of me. And it was our first uh, uh, experience working with each other. And I think he was asking me on one song, he says, just give me Stephen Stills, you know. And I gave him Stephen Stills on, on acoustic guitar and just how he would... You know, play. All right, give me, you know, give me, give me Mike Campbell. You know, 
So he's he's referencing other guitar players that I'm familiar with, and so he's asking for different styles. I felt that I was able to deliver on a couple of these things. Well, they chose the right guy for the job, and Gary is great to work with. He's a mentor of mine and just phenomenal producer and just a great guy to to hang out with and especially musically he's just so gifted he writes horn parts he is you know a killer drummer he does it all yeah I, I love to be around Gary I love to be on the road with Professor Louis sometimes I on occasion uh, when John Platani can't make something they uh, I get the call and, and head out with them and uh, I just enjoy every time we go out you referenced Willie Amrod very enigmatic musician in the Hudson Valley and personality and he'll be on the show in a couple of weeks how much work have you done with Willie uh, a lot of work and I forget when it started I mean what year it started I mean it seems like we've been working together uh, quite a bit uh, in the last maybe 10 years or whatever but it, it might be longer than that might be shorter than that I'm not quite sure I'm sure you amassed a, a huge amount of stories about Willie because you know wherever he goes <laughs> there's just stories can we play something that you're on that that Willie did absolutely I, I brought along with uh, with me uh, the outer space boogie you know, which is which is a Steve Ferguson song. So Steve Ferguson was the the original guitarist with NRBQ, who Willie is uh, uh, not only a big fan of, but he he befriended all those guys over yes. the years, uh, heavily uh, affiliated. Yeah. So Outer Space Boogie is a Steve Ferguson song, and it's got uh, Frank Gadler, the original vocalist for NRBQ, singing a lead vocal with Willie. Outer Space Boogie, Willie Amrod and Vito Petrosito on guitar. Roll it.
got And so is Venus But your anus looking oh so pretty Cast my Jupiter and all of his moon How many records are, are you on, Vito? How, how much work have you done? I'll tell you, when I, you know, I've been trying to put together a discography for my website forever. I mean, it's, it's taking forever. Recently, I think I've put together a pretty uh, complete collection in the recent discography on my website, which is imvito.com. There's probably a hundred records listed, I think. I'm not sure. That's you know? an awful lot of work. Full records, I'm, I'm thinking maybe 30. 30 to 40. Any favorites? Uh, like I said, uh, the uh, the Penny Nichols material yeah. was some of my favorite. And, and here's the reason why. Like we were talking about, you know, do you get directed or whatever. Penny was a person that let me do what I wanted to do or just knew that she had Vito there and trusted that Vito would do his thing. So there was no, you know, other than telling me what song we were going to do as far as what I brought to the song. Uh, as far as flavor or, uh, you know, whatever uh, nuances I brought to the song. I would just listen to the song. She's got this one song called Charlie Bad Boy that I just didn't love. I, I, I just loved, you know, it was, a, it was one of those uh, reverbed tellies with tremolo on it and Southwest. And it was Dan Hickey on the drums who brings a lot to a recording session. Mark Dan on the bass, Glenn Rothell on guitar along with me. And Penny, of course, playing guitar and singing. But uh, that was that was some of my favorite stuff. The Willie Amrod stuff is, uh, and that was Gary Burke on the drums for Outer Space Boogie, by the way, too. I forgot that Gary was, is the one that played the drums yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the the Willie stuff has been a lot of fun. I had separated from my wife in 2012, and that was just about when Willie was start, or actually, he was finishing his. Everywhere is out of town record and starting the Frank Gadler because of you record. He was starting it. So they had two sessions going at the same time and overlapping each other in Willie's studio. And uh, uh, Wednesday nights were my getaway from home to, to kind of get my, my mind out there on a highway somewhere and just forget about life for, uh, so, uh, for a night. You know, so Wednesday nights I would come up here to Germantown. Uh, every Wednesday night for about two years to work on these projects. Wow. And uh, it was just a great escape. And uh, Willie's, uh, you know, Willie's projects and Willie himself. I mean, he's got a huge heart, big heart. You know, he could be demanding, but he's just being forceful about what he wants. You know, like, so uh, as, you know, if he, if he's producing the record, especially if it's got Willie Amrod's name on it, he should be, in, you know, he's entitled to. He's a great guy, Willie. Oh, I just, I just love it. I lo I've loved creating with him in the in recent years. You know, on last week's show, you made reference to a big club around here, the Falcon. For those who don't know, the Falcon is one of the greatest clubs in the area. Lots of great people play there. You play there. I do. How often do you play the Falcon, and who do you play there with, and what's that all about? All right, so I have a new group I call Little Rock. Little Rock is my new 
original slash obscure cover band. You know, so they, they got to be obscure covers. Once in a while, if I have a kind of a stacked audience, like with some Four Guys fans, I'll throw them some bones. But for the most part, I like to play my songs with uh, Little Rock. And uh, and the Falcon is one of the venues that is it's really, it, it just enables me to be me. So I'm really happy about that. Little Rock uh, is my name, Petrocito. Petrocito. This is pointed out to me by Gary Burke and Professor Louie, as a matter of fact. Uh, they created the moniker. They would call me Vito Little Rock. Oh, that makes sense. So Petro Chito, you know, Petro Earth and Chito Little yes. Little Rock or whatever. So I, I liked the nickname. It was fun to, you know, over the years, you know. That is so cool. I try to book gigs like, you know, get one a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that really, uh, it didn't uh, do that well for us towards the tail end of 2019 as far as draw. You know, getting people into the club playing once a month you know so I've, I've kind of extended it to maybe seven week stretches or eight or nine week stretches good luck with that yeah thanks it's a great venue Vito I remember years ago you had a music store it was I believe it was in Pleasant Valley it wasn't around very long am I getting this right am I remember my, my memory is, is as I get older is getting faulty but I remember that absolutely so that music store was owned by Joe Palo. Oh, okay. Joe, Joe Palo of the difference, uh, and he had this uh, uh, music store in Pleasant Valley uh, called PJ's Music. And I just remember, like when we first met, it was probably around 1989. He had played my cousin's wedding and with his wedding band, and you know, here's this guy. And I stopped into that music store for the first time. I had a pseudo son at the time. I treated him as my son, but a girlfriend's son. You know, he wanted to go to every music store in the world that particular Saturday, and I was looking for a piece of equipment like a Pierce Electronics amp head. That's what I was looking for that day. So I went out to East Coast Sound in Danbury, and they had, let's see, the price out there, brand new for the thing was, you know, something like $900 without a without a rack bag or something like that. I'm like, ah, I don't have that much, so forget. let's forget it for now. So we're on our way back home, and uh, Derek wants to stop into PJ's Music. So... We stop into PJ's music, and this guy is kind of here's Joe Palo, you know, and, he, and you know the kids looking around at strings and whatever guitars he might have, and and Joe was like, so you know, what can I help you with today? And I'm like, ah, nothing, you know. The music store was so small that I'm like, you you can't have anything that I would, you know. And, but he finally gets it out of me. Like, what are you looking for? I said, well, I'm looking for a, and I'm I go exactly what I'm looking for, a Pierce Electronic head. Maybe in a rack bag or whatever. That's when he says, oh. And he goes into this little closet and he pulls it out. <laughs> he says, one of these? And I'm like, oh, my God. That's exactly what I'm like. How, how much, how much do you want for it? And he says, how about 750 bucks? And I'm like, you got to be kidding. $750. I was just looking at it. I'm like, I thought I was getting a good deal out of it. So that was it. So he asked me, uh, let's see, uh, maybe a week later, you know, if I would consider teaching for him at that store in Pleasant Valley. And I, that was the first music store that I said yes to. I, really? I, I had been asked by many other music stores over the years, and I just didn't want uh, the headache with certain music store owners uh, in the area. You know, they could be difficult, and maybe they they aren't difficult. But the ones that I knew that were asking me were kind of difficult. So, so he said, you know, would you teach for me? And I said, absolutely. As you were talking, I started thinking about venues we were talking about venues earlier the falcon and other places that you played copperfields and star bar and do you remember skinners 
Skinner's was the. <laughs> Skinner's. I knew you were gonna laugh when I wrote. Oh it up. my god, I love it. Yeah. Skinner's was the first steady gig for four guys in disguise. And I remember that. I, that I remember was, that back. Yeah, then. we did Thursday nights, and uh, I was coming out of a group called Synergy at the time. You know, Synergy was one of my favorite groups too. You, you played at Easy Street a lot, and we played at Easy Street a lot. And uh, it was uh, it was a big electric band, and I had had. I, I was just having a breakdown on on electric gear. It was a lot of gear. It was a lot of the, it was a high maintenance band only because we were so many pieces. We were a six piece group, and to to book and make any kind of money, it was like you know. So I said, you know what, I'm getting rid of all my electric gear and I'm buying the, an acoustic guitar. And if I can't please people with just an acoustic, then I might not be worth my salt. That was the whole idea for four guys in this guy. Hmm. And our first gig was Skinner's on Thursday nights, which the first gig was three of us. It was only Joe, <laughs> Greg Douglas, and myself. And our rhythm sucked so bad that I said, we got to bring somebody in. So the following Thursday was John Okanowski added to the group. So, so you're saying four guys, first gig was three guys. Exactly. That's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Skinner's, uh, I mean, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it's just... I think they widened the highway across from Marist College in Poughkeepsie, and there went Skinner's. But I used to play there all the time myself, and you, I'm sure you remember Ed Beck. Oh, Ed Beck for sure, and Skinner himself, Chris Turk. You that, know? That's right. And, uh, now, Ed Beck, he was a character. I remember playing there on New Year's Eve. It was with my band at the time, Little Giant. It, oh, yeah, Ed, I remember Little Giant. Ed Ryan and Matt Donahue and myself. Yeah. And we were doing really well. Then I broke a string. I break a lot of strings, Vito. <laughs> I don't use a pick, and I hit the, the guitar so hard, I break strings all the time. And it took us, you know, maybe 10 minutes to change the string or something, you know, too long in any case. And Ed Beck came over, and he was furious. Wow. And he said, this is unprofessional. This is unprofessional. I will never have you guys here again. And I, and I got mad then. And I'm like, well, oh. we would never come back here again, you know, or something like yep. that. And I got my revenge. The place was just rubble eventually. So, but, yep. you know, yep. I, I guess he was probably right. I, I can't know. believe you had it out with Ed Beck. That's, I had it out with Ed Beck. I mean, Beck it was easy night. to do because he was such a, like, you know, he's a. He's he, he, could be, he could be cantankerous. Yeah. Boy, remember those days. Yeah. That was something else. It's about that time where we're going to talk about what it's like to be a musician in the Hudson Valley. And I've made a lot of comments on this show about that that I think are maybe a little misunderstood because I do find the Hudson Valley to be a wealth of musicians. I mean, the amount of talent around here, sheer talent, is immense. And and, and I'm comparing this to anywhere in the country. I, I dare anyone to find... Uh, better session players and and just players in general and and it's a great resource for a songwriter to have the world's greatest session players that live around here be able to play on your music and make you sound like a million bucks Mm -hmm. however playing live that's a different story to be able to make a living in the hudson valley a decent living as a musician is really tough. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, like Sinatra said about New York City. I'm saying that about the Hudson Valley. If, if you've been here for 30 years plugging away or 40 years or whatever it is, you're the toughest musician in the world. You, you've earned my respect because it is tough to find venues. And if you're an original artist, does original music, it's even harder. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I'm so with you on that. And I, I don't mean any disrespect to... No, me either. Um, all of our listeners or music lovers here in the Hudson Valley. But it is, like you said, you know, like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. I've always said that the Hudson Valley is probably the best training ground 
for a musician to play. I mean, because you're going to deal with I some of the toughest conditions, some of the most finicky and picayune audiences. Sorry, no, no disrespect once again, but it's it's true. I mean, we sit there, you know, you're you're playing on the bandstand, and you know, I've heard all the hey, do you know how to play so far away? <laughs> or you know, all these loud free jokes. bird, uh, free bird, you know, and how that ever became funny, I'll never know, right. you know. But listen, turnabout is fair play. So watch out when you ask for Freebird because I might play it. And I might play a 49 minute version of it. So be ready for that. You know, I started doing that in 2013 and I'm still Bloody. up to it. You know? I saw Jackson Brown over in Kingston one time and somebody yelled it out at, at his Seriously? show and he played it. Oh, wow. <laughs> he played it. He didn't play the whole thing. Way to he, go, Jackson. He, he played like the first verse or something. See, like now that. Jackson Brown was a great friend of Penny Nichols. He was, he was, they were, I didn't know they that. They were really good friends. Yeah. And uh, she tells stories. Uh, you know, their their melodic ideas are similar. Southern California people, you know, she was an L.A. girl or whatever. But but back to the music thing in the Hudson Valley, it's a tough place. And the toughest thing for me coming out of so many cover bands, listen, I wanted to go original way back when, but I knew that it wouldn't put uh, food on my table at that time. And then I saw people like you, uh, Rick Z, uh, I, uh, you know, bring their original music to the people, and I was watching that happen. And I'm like, man, that's amazing. I always uh, was blown away by any original artists here in the Hudson Valley, and I'm glad that they exist, and I'm glad that they fight hard enough to do their music at all costs. I'm gonna play my music, so hats off to everyone that does that. I just didn't have the, I didn't have the guts to do that back then and I, I was making money doing the cover tunes too but now I kind of want to do my tunes too and, uh, for the last 20 years you know so I've snuck in different things but I play different gigs you know like listening rooms like for the Hudson Valley Folk Guild you know I'll do some of their concerts and uh, uh, I, I play out of our area I play you know I played a gig uh, up in uh, New Berlin, New York, back in November of uh, 2019, and it was a great gig, and that was a concert. It was a, it was Vito Petrosito in concert. They don't know me as Vito from Four Guys in Disguise up there. You know, they just know my original material. So I've got venues like that, you know, and I, I would like some more, that for sure. You know, so I'm trying to work that. I'm trying to cultivate uh, a, a larger uh, area for me to play my music. Right now, I've noticed a distinct preponderance of no music. And I'm starting to get antsy to hear some more Vito Petrosito. <laughs> Let's play something else. What do you suggest? Oh, well, I have this song, Rainbow. And Rainbow, uh, I wrote uh, after we lost uh, a near and dear friend of mine, one of the most wonderful, gifted musicians that the Hudson Valley had to offer, Mr. Michael Kemp. So Mike Kemp uh, had passed, and uh, I just couldn't believe that he was gone. Uh, I, I was just booking gigs with him. Like the week before he passed and, uh, you know, we had just made these arrangements to play a few gigs together and I was so sad to hear the news and, uh, but I just couldn't believe it. So I went to the market. I remember going to the, the Hannaford and Modena that day and I was just talking to myself about it and I said, I just can't believe that he's gone. And I'm, and I'm thinking that I'm talking to him. I said, you're not, you're not going, are you? I mean, you, you got to show me a sign that you're still here, because I just don't believe, you know, so I get my groceries, I get him out to the car, and I had lost all thought about what I was saying, I was asking him for a sign, so I was coming back to the house, and I see, and, and with no thought of what I was talking about, Michael, I look over the ridge, I live underneath that big ridge over there on the Schwangunks, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, and it's I, I'm in seventh heaven over there, but out of the ridge, I noticed this rainbow, 
And it was coming straight out of the ridge. I mean, straight into the sky. No trajectory, no bend to the rainbow, just straight up. And I'd never seen anything <laughs> like that before in my life. I still wasn't thinking about my kip. Mm-hmm. When, you know, so then I pull into my driveway and my sister-in-law pulled in, Rachel, who was a great friend of Mike Kemp's as well. She pulled in right behind me and she said, boy, did you see that rainbow over the ridge? I thought of Michael Kemp as soon as I, you know, I thought of Mikey as soon as I saw it. And that was that. <laughs> you know, so I had the song in my mind and I went into my home studio that moment, like in the next 20 minutes after I got the groceries put away, uh, went into the <laughs> Got to put the ice cream in the freezer. And, and put this song together. It's called Rainbow. That's an extraordinary story, Vito, and I'd love to hear that song. Rusty, do the honors. takes another friend And when he said goodbye that day I couldn't believe that you was gone No, I couldn't believe that you was gone And then I asked you to show me a sign See it shining in the sky Lane. Too much drinking and cocaine They say old habits, they die hard Hope you find peace on the other side Maybe there's peace on the other side And when you send me down that side Feeling you'd be alright. I saw rainbow standing on a mountain. I saw rainbow standing on a mountain. I saw rainbow standing on a mountain. I saw rainbow standing on a mountain.
every day if it was last I won't know when it's my time I don't go sweating on that small stuff I try to see a brighter side Try to see a brighter side I keep on looking for those signs Well, life just rolls on Well, I saw a rainbow Standing on a mountain I saw a rainbow Standing on a mountain I saw a rainbow Just great, Vito. Great to have you here, too. Our time has ebbed away again. It's been great talking to you and seeing you. It's been a while. It's always great getting caught up with you. You're a damn good guitar player. Uh, I'm proud to have you on the show, Vito. Thanks for being here, man. It's such a blast, and this is a great show. And, Rick, you do a fine job. I Rusty, appreciate thank that. you so much. Thanks, Vito. Vito, please come back. When you do your entire all-original album, come back on the show. We're going to promote it. Terrific. I can't wait. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, produced and engineered every week by Rusty Johnson. Click subscribe. We need followers. Click away, people. Come back next week. I promise we'll have another talented Hudson Valley musician for you, and we'll see you then.